So here we go. Let's kind of get uh, officially started here. So here we go. What we've got going here is for the next 12 consecutive Mondays. So these are going to be every Monday for the next 12 Mondays. Um, we're going to start this new series called Living on Purpose. Now, obviously, it's on Instagram. It's on Facebook Live. Uh, you can go back and watch these. Uh, it'll be on our YouTube channel. It'll be on our podcast as well. But again, y'all, you have the ability to be social media missionaries. And so the more you like and the more you comment and then ultimately share this on your platform, you can help us get the word out. So we really, really, really want you to do that. And um, man, let's get the word of God out because it needs to be out there right now, big time. So remember to share, comment and like, and uh, this is going to be awesome. So here we go. Living on purpose, uh, part one, we're calling this living on purpose from mediocrity to maturity, from mediocrity to maturity. Now I want to start with a quote from President Dwight D. Eisenhower in a speech that he gave April 2nd, 1957. Listen to these powerful words. President Eisenhower said, we succeed only as we identify in life or in war or in anything else, a single overriding objective and make all other considerations bend to that one objective. What he's saying is, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, whether it's life or war or anything else. What you have to do if you want to be successful is identify your one objective and then bend everything else toward that one objective. It means that that one objective takes total, complete priority over everything else. And then anything else that you're doing besides that one objective and priority has to give way and bend toward that one objective. And when you do that, you will be successful in whatever that one objective is. Friends, here's the deal. There's too many distractions. There's too many things vying and pulling for our attention and affection. And as Christ followers, it's got to stop. Listen, I just need to say to you, to myself, to my lovely Miss Sarah over here, all of us, we have to put Jesus first. No excuses, no exceptions, and it's got to happen like now. We need revival and awakening in the family of God. We've got to quit making excuses, and we've got to bend every other thing to the one objective and goal of following Christ, of growing in Christ, and making God's kingdom known here on the earth, especially in these perilous times in which we're living in. All right? So, here we go. We're going to really be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11 for this series. So what I want you to do is get used to reading 2 Peter chapter 1, really the first 11 verses. And because this is going to be shorter, uh, you know, 20, 25 minutes max, I'm just going to mention some uh, passages sometimes, and I'm just going to have to trust that you've read it or will read it in the future. That'll help us save some time, okay? But get familiar with, get intimate with 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So let's dive in today, living on purpose from mediocrity to maturity, part 1. 2 Peter 1, 1 through 4, here we go. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, 
to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, in other words, through the power and the promise, you can be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Okay, here you go. Today's devotional, I want you to pay attention to three words today. Our first word is the word power. Power, go ahead and say it out loud right where you're at. Power. Verse three tells us that God's power gave us every single thing. He gave us all things that we need to live a life of godliness. God hasn't withheld anything at all His power has given us everything that we need for a life in godliness. Now, here's what I want you to understand, beloved. God's power gave us all things. Therefore, God's power is on all things that he gave us. In other words, God didn't just give us everything and then say, y'all figure it out. You come up with your own strength, with your own power, with your own discipline, with your own determination. No, 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 no. Listen to me, friends. God's giving us everything. Therefore, God's power is on everything. And we have to understand that. We need to understand the availability of God's power for our life. It's there. It's real. Remember what Jesus said to the early church, right? Right before Pentecost, Acts chapter one, verse eight, and we have to get back to this as followers of Jesus. He said, I'm going to give you power so that you can be a witness to me in all of the world, and it's gonna happen when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're gonna be able to be a witness That's that's what this is about. God's power has given us all things. Therefore, God's power is on everything that he's given us to effectively be a witness for Jesus Christ. I don't know what you're going through, but God's power is present to help you if you'll just understand that and tap into that. Secondly, we have to learn to depend upon God's power. Now, I know we don't, we don't do this enough. I think sometimes we, we would just nod an intellectual yes to this, but I want to ask you if you are depending upon God's power. Zechariah chapter four, verse six. What, what's the great passage of scripture there? God said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. What's he saying to mankind? He's saying it's not by your might, your effort, or your power but it is by God's spirit and by this, this, the power that God's spirit gives. Quit trying to lift yourself up by your bootstraps, cry out to God for the outpouring of his spirit and power upon you, and then move in that power to accomplish whatever he's called you to do. 
understand the available power, depend upon that power, and then listen to me, friends. Power with God, power from God, it's not a one and done thing. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18 tells us that we need to be what? Continually filled. So understand the power, depend upon the power, and then be refilled with the power. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 5.18. So I want you to be aware today of power, power from God that's upon everything that he's given you. All right, are you good with that? Now here's our second. The word is promises, promises. In verse four, Peter writes and says that we have been given, listen to this, exceedingly great and precious promises. Listen what this means. That that phrase there, exceedingly great, means the greatest. It means that there is nothing greater. God has given us exceedingly great or the greatest and most precious. It means the most valuable. Think about this. Think how generous and good God is. First of all, he's given us all things that's rooted in his power. And then what does he say? Beyond the power, I'm giving you the greatest and the most valuable promises you could ever be given, that you could ever have. God's given us unbelievable promises. Now, what are those promises? Verses three and following. I want to run through this list quick, but I want you to look at this. Open up your own Bible. Get get in the word and let the word get in you. Verse three, what are some of these exceedingly great and precious promises? Verse three, that he's given us all things. We lack nothing for our Christian life. Verse four, we get to become partakers of his divine nature. What an unbelievable promise when you think about that. We get to live life beyond and above our fallen nature. We get to live above and beyond human limitations with all of its brokenness and frailty and temptation. We get to live above that because we partake of God's divine nature. Verse four also tells us and promises us that we've escaped the corruption that is in the world. We don't need to live corrupt, sinful, defeated lives. Now, I know we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all gonna sin. We're all gonna blow it here and there. I'm not preaching perfection to you. But what I am saying is this, as we begin to appropriate the power and the promises of God, one of those promises is we escape the corruption that's in the world through lust. We're free from the power and the penalty of corruption. Man, no wonder this is called good news. Verse eight, here's another one of these great promises. Verse eight says, you will never be barren in the kingdom of God, meaning you'll never be useless for God's kingdom purposes. That's a promise that's made, okay? Let's go on, another one promise in verse eight. You'll never be unfruitful. You'll never lack impact and influence for yourself and for other people. You're never going to be unfruitful. You are going to be a follower of Jesus who is bearing fruit. 
where we're gonna be able to look at your life, God's gonna be able to look at your life and point very specific, tangible things. That person was touched through my life and ministry. That person was, that person was, that person was. Over and over and over again. See, when we appropriate the power and the promises, there's going to be a byproduct that is fruitful and healthy and vibrant and life-giving. That's a promise from God that we get to claim. You don't need to wonder if you really sell out to Jesus, whether it's gonna pay off or not. Listen, it's gonna pay off for you now and for eternity, because you'll get a reward, but it's gonna pay off for other people. And so appropriating the power and the promises. Here, here's another great promise that's found in verse 10, and we haven't read this yet, but here's another never promise. You'll never stumble to the point of falling away, ever. Now, we're all gonna stumble. We stumble in many things, the scripture says, but Jesus, who is able to keep us from falling, we're never going to stumble to the point of total falling and failing, falling away from faith, falling away from Christ. That's never going to happen. That's a promise from God. When we really, really decide to bend all other objectives toward the one objective of maturing and growing in Christ. Finally, the last promise is found in verse 11. Peter writes and says that we will be given, think about this promise, we will be given an abundant entrance into the kingdom of heaven. That means when you and I enter into heaven after appropriating the, the power and the promises of God, when we get into heaven, we get to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what you're gonna be able to hear right upon entering. And then beyond that, you get all of the rewards that your fruitful life were, were due. You, you, get, you get to be able to experience all of that. So you're not just gonna kind of get into heaven by the skin of your teeth. No way, we're not looking for that. We're looking for an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God because we've spent our life operating in the power of God and in the promises of God. I love this. This is good stuff. There's powerful promises to be experienced when we live life on purpose. And what's our purpose? Our purpose is to go from mediocrity to maturity, to grow in Christ, to make no bones about it and to focus on that and to get after it. I know we're living in a world where more and more Christians, and the scripture says it's gonna happen. There is gonna be an apostasy. There is gonna be a falling away. But that doesn't mean that you need to be one of those people. You need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and it's gonna happen again through the power and promises. And here's our third word, purpose. Here's what I mean by purpose. Purpose is the things that we diligently add to our spiritual life. We'll call them disciplines if you want. But what Peter writes and says here is that we have to be diligent in adding to our life, focused, bending everything around this objective. We need to be diligent in adding these things to our life. These are the purposes. These are the building blocks. These are the things that we give ourselves to so that power and promise gets activated. 
Here's what he said, to be diligent about adding to your life. Verse five, he lists three things. And in the future, we're gonna go over these in great detail. Today's just an introduction, but I want you to see this. What are the purposes so that the power and promises of God get activated in our life? He said, be diligent to add to your faith, okay? Faith is the first thing. It's, it's our entryway into a relationship with Jesus. And after we have placed our faith in Jesus, we need to be, number two, diligent to add virtue. And then we need to be diligent to add to our virtue knowledge. That means knowledge of God's word. That means we're not biblically illiterate or ignorant. We know the promises, the word, the will, the ways of God. And you've got to be aggressive and diligent toward that. Add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge. Verse six, add to your knowledge self-control. That means that through the power and promises of God, you get to operate in self-control. You don't have to go by every, every whim that your flesh tries to create in you. No, you can operate in self-control. Listen, anger, listen, someone who's listening to me watching this right now, you, you've got an anger issue, and I'm telling you, you do not have to live under that just explosive, violent anger that is alienating yourself from your friends and your family. You don't. Start participating in adding to your faith and your virtue and your knowledge self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to live angry. You can live with self-control. Next, he said, add to your self-control perseverance. Be diligent about adding perseverance. This is a, I'm not quitting. This is a devil you're not gonna win. I am going to go through this to the very end, no matter what, all right? Add to your perseverance, godliness. Godliness of character, holiness of conduct. Remember, what does the scripture say? Without holiness, none of us are gonna see God. Now, ultimately, our holiness, blamelessness comes from being in Christ. But beloved, there's gotta be something in our life that gives ourselves over to godly behavior. Next, what does he say? Add to your godliness in verse seven, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness is what? It's, it's, it's phileo, it's brotherly love. It's being kind to people, it's being nice. Man, if we could if we could get that back, that would be awesome. But a brotherly affection toward one another. Be diligent to add that to your faith. And then lastly, he says in verse seven, and to that love, agape. Be diligent about adding love to your spiritual life. And again, these things, these purposes, if you will, these are the things that God's power has given us so God's promises get fulfilled in our life. We have to be diligent about adding these things so that we can go from mediocrity, where too many people are, to maturity. Maturity in Christ, it doesn't just happen automatically, friends. It's going to take you again, bending every other objective toward this goal. I wanna grow in Christ. I want to be conformed into the image of Jesus. I don't want to be barren or unfruitful. 
Man, I, I want to I wanna enter into heaven boldly, shouting, happy, waiting to be gloriously received by Jesus and then rewarded for everything that we've accomplished together on earth. Now, I don't like ending with a warning, but I want to do this real quick, okay? Verse nine says this. If we lack these things, if we lack these purposes, we've become short-sighted. Now listen to this. This is a very interesting word picture for us, not used in the scripture uh, often. It says that we, if we lack these purposes, we become short-sighted. It literally means like gospel light has shined in your eyes and you blink and you keep your eyes closed. What, what an interesting thing. See, friends, that's where too many believers are. Yeah, they, they got the revelation of gospel light, but then after they received the light, they shut their eyes, they became short-sighted, and then the scripture says, even to blindness. And then what does he say? They have forgotten that they were cleansed from their own sins, their old sins. See what happens here? If we're not diligent about operating in the power, promises, and purposes of God, we forget why we were even saved. We think this is just about not going to hell instead of living our lives in such a way that we bring heaven to earth. So here's the deal. Three words for you to consider today. Power, God's power on your life. His promises that are for every single one of us. They're the greatest promises. They're the most valuable promises. And then finally, these purposes. You see, sandwiched in the middle of the promise, Peter unpacks these purposes that I just went over and we're gonna go over in detail in the coming weeks. Power, promises, purposes. If we'll operate in these things, we will absolutely grow in Christ. There's no question about it. All right, beloved, it's been a great introduction, a great first time. Share this, like it, help us get the word out, and we'll be together again next Monday morning, 7 a.m. Central Standard Time. We love you. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Sarah, do you have something to say? Shalom. Shalom. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. We love you guys. God bless you. Take care.